Hey everybody, it's Josh Rutledge, your co-host for Fearscape Paranormal Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to support us more, please head over to our website, fearscapepodcast.com. There you can click on store and browse some really awesome t-shirts and maybe pick a couple up, or even go to our Patreon page and see how you can support us monthly. We love bringing you awesome content just as much as you like listening to it. Enjoy the show. The following program is presented for entertainment purposes. WCHQ does not necessarily endorse the ideas presented. Fearscape is a program that explores the legend and lore around many creepy and scary things. Information is researched and presented in an entertainment fashion and is presented based off of what we found. Legends have a way of changing over time, so... Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Fearscape FM here on WCHQ. 100.9 FM. All local all the time. All spooky all the time. Download the app. Yeah. All right. Uh, so we are here. We are back for all the spooky craziness. Uh, I am your host, Stefan Gearhart, alongside, as always, my favorite co-host in the world. Uh, Mr. Brad McQuery, who is um, consuming some bubbly, sparkly lime water, which is delicious. Ooh. No calories, no sweetness, all smiles. We call that Sprite with no flavor. I call it, it's helping me in my life. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, I'm super pumped today, dude. We've been talking about... What we're going to be talking about today, like like in private, in private for quite some time. <laughs> uh, I have been very interested in the uh, the Kentucky Goblins mm-hmm. or the uh, also known as the Kelly Hopkinsville encounter encounter. Uh, this is story. Or, yeah, story. This it is, is a story. This is crazy. It inspires. <laughs> this is so story much. crazy. This is a very old alien encounter here uh-huh. in the state. Uh, one of the first. And uh, that was recorded and things yeah. like that. So uh, I'm really interested in this. And so we're just going to get cracking. I, I don't have any creepy ketchup. It was another slow week. Yeah. And that's the thing, too. If anybody's like, oh, man, they never have creepy ketchup. That's the thing about paranormal. It's inconsistent. Yeah. Like we're, we're here in the studio right now. And uh, Stephanie just went to the bathroom before we started recording. Thanks and I for go telling in- everybody I went to the bathroom. Well, they don't know what you were doing in there. <laughs> But uh, I walk into the hallway thinking that the bathroom door would be wide open and the light off because he had just come out of there because, you know, as an adult, you know to turn the light off when you leave a bathroom. <laughs> and I open the hallway and the light's on, the door's cracked, and I'm like, oh, there's a ghost. And Stefan's like, now listen, I had to close the door a little bit and I left the light on. I was like, okay, pudding. Yeah, I la- well, the <laughs> reason was, was I, there's like three switches in there and I wanted to leave the fan on because... <sighs> You because can figure out what things, I was doing in there. Yeah, and so making I didn't know which one was the fan, and I was super <laughs> tired and lazy and didn't want to figure it out, so I just left them all on. Sorry, Kathy, the station manager. I promised to turn it off and save electricity. <laughs> Anywho, so yeah, no creepy ketchup. However, we do have some spooky news. So we always, there's always spooky yeah, news. Yeah, there's always spooky news. So can I, can I do the theme song? Yeah. All right. Spooky news. Pudding. 
All right, on spooky news this week, I've got another one from Disclosed TV. It is just, it is the just like most awesome place to get paranormal news. It's fantastic. And this one is super great. Uh, This one, uh, the headline reads Locals believe that the Huska Castle in the Czech Republic has a portal to hell. Yes. Heavy metal. Maybe uh, this is not from the news article, but what if it connects to the Bobby Mackey's one? I have actually heard that before. That it go, they go from one portal to another. That all uh, that all the uh, the haunted portals you talk about, because there's a portal in Bobby Mackey's, and then there's a portal at a place in Nevada. I can't remember the name; it's been a long time since I've read about it. Nevada portal. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> <laughs> but there's these two uh, portals, and uh, they did an investigation once where one team was at this portal, the other team was at this portal, and they were able to catch the same EVPs between the two locations via that portal. Well, you know where there's another portal is in Super Mario Brothers. If you go to the second world, second stage, and then hop over the thing, you can go to level four. I've never rolled my ass so hard. Which is super awesome. <laughs> uh, but yeah, anyways, this is uh, this story. So it, what it says is that in the second half of the 13th century, a mysterious Gothic castle was built. It was not near water, which strategically important and seemed to have no one to live in it. Why was this arbitrary fortress built? According to local legend... Demons were to be captured there. Demons. Allegedly, a gate to hell opened on the rugged Czech mountain. Hey, guys, come on in. And that they believed that the castle was built around the portal and a chapel was thrown directly onto the hole to prevent evil monsters from escaping from the underworld and sliding into the human realm. Hey, guys, just trying to get out. (laughs) Hey, we just want to take over your soul. Uh, According to folklore, the alleged gateway to hell was so deep that no one could see the reason, and those who tried to enter the dark opening encountered demonic human-animal hybrids. Don't like that. Maybe it was the hillbilly beast. Maybe it was the pug man. (laughs) I'm still stuck on pug man. Pug man! I would be pug man. So, this is where it should be. The gate to hell below Huska Castle, an hour's drive from Prague. At least that's where the legends that surround the estate say. Wait, this isn't in the United States? No, sir. This isn't. Wow. Prague. The whole time, I'm like, I haven't heard of these places, and this is why. Yep. What, Europe? I said Czech Republic. Ah, you did. I thought you were, like, saying Czech, please. No. Uh, <laughs> even the operators write on their website that the entrance to the underworld is below the old wall. But where does this belief come from? The castle was built in the 13th century in the early Gothic style by the Bohemian king Premisel Otakar II. The unusual thing is that it is not suited in a strategically important position like we said, but in a remote area surrounded by dense forests, swamps, and mountains. In addition, the property has no access to any water source and apparently has never been inhabited. I wonder if anybody that resides there has had to fight off gray aliens with samurai swords. Yeah, no one's that cool, man. Oh, darn uh, but yeah, you can go look up the Huska Castle, Port of the Hell. There's a Huska. ghost hunting team that actually did an investigation. There's a video on the tube of you. Um, so <laughs> I highly check that out. Yeah, Portal to Hells, man. There's quite a quite a bit of those. Wow, that's that's fun. I actually uh, I actually have some uh, spooky news here for us. As Shut well. up! It's it's a quick one. Uh, you know, we had we've been having uh, stuff about. Alien, or not aliens, but we had um, what you did, the Portal to Hell just Portal now. Portal to Hell. Squatch. Squ- we had some Squatch last week. Um, you know, I thought I'd bring a little UFO into it. Yeah, yeah. So this is from MUFON.com. Yay, uh, my other favorite place. A great, great location if you're into the, into, the, uh, into the UFOs and stuff. They have a map. 
that shows you like where the recent sightings I'm have been. I'm a map. I'm a map. I'm a map. Careful, we might get uh, we might get hit with like a copyright claim. Oh yeah. So this one was actually uh, so. The day we're recording this is March 24th. So this took place on March 30th. So just four days ago. Or March 20th. I was just four say, days ago. Into the, In the future. future. Uh, so it is a low-flying triangle reported over the Philippines. A Philippines witness at Des Marinas reported watching a low-flying triangle-shaped object, according to testimony in case 90499 from the Mutual UFO Network, MUFON, witness reporting database. The witness was walking along a highway at 5.25 a.m. on March 2nd, 2018. I noticed something in the sky, the witness stated. There were a couple of dim lights on the flying thing in a V-shape. At first, I thought it was just an airplane, but airplanes do not have that kind of shape. I also thought it was just birds in formation, but it was still dark for birds to fly. It flew right above me. It was so huge, so it seemed like it was flying low. It moved quickly with no sound at all, and when it went past the trees, it's gone. I was out of words. I jogged, so I checked the sky, but it wasn't there anymore. I was really in shock, and I felt weird. I told my boyfriend about it. CAG International for MUFON Field Investigator Eric Smith closed this case as an unknown aerial vehicle. Wow. Puddin'. We've been seeing a lot more, uh, like... Especially the triangle shaped yeah, ones. Yeah, of the triangle shaped ones, mm-hmm. especially the V shaped triangle yeah. ones. Which uh, that was my experience when right. I was like seven. Well, the even V-shaped. the one you said you saw over LG and E. Yeah, that V-shaped. was V shaped too. Very, very interesting. It's all about the V shapes, baby. Uh, but yeah, very good. Thank you. Uh, yeah, you thank know. you, Mufon. Thank you, thank Philippines. Thank you, Mufon. Thank you, Disclosed.tv. Um, and thank you for me for breaking the fourth wall and discovering that we pre-record these. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Uh, we will uh, be doing stories from five days and now. <laughs> <laughs> Anywho, that was spooky news. <laughs> so, like I said, we're going to be talking about the Kelly Hopkinsville encounter, a.k.a. the Kentucky Goblins. Goblins, which sounds like a biker gang. It might be. There probably is a Kentucky just, Goblins biker gang just a biker out of gang. Kelly or Hopkinsville. Yeah, just a biker gang of four-year-olds. That's ridiculous. <laughs> it's like power, or not power wheels, but uh, big wheels. Yeah. You know, and tricycles. Just big wheels like, rolling through. Give me all your lunch money. <laughs> <laughs> what are you going to do? Shake me with a toothpick? Yes. <laughs> oh, here's my lunch money. There's Sorry. like, you know, kindergartners are protesting not enough snacks, and so they got the Kentucky Goblins there, <laughs> like, making sure that uh, no one bothers the protesters. <laughs> you put an extra snack pack in that snack box? No. Nope. You better put another one in there. The put Goblins another one in it. Yeah, you. they, like, threaten the teachers, you know? <laughs> they threaten them by breaking their rulers. Yep. What they, you going to measure now? They, uh, they put them in small rooms and throw Legos on the floor and make them walk across them. <laughs> Dark room, Legos on the floor. You make it to the door, you're free. If I hear you say "ow," you're stuck in there forever. Yep. You better bring a snack pack with you. Four year olds are gangster. They are. That's what we come to find out. Super gangster. <laughs> Uh, anyways, yeah, so if you hear those plastic wheels rolling across the concrete, oh. run. I hear that in my neighborhood sometimes, and I'm like, uh-oh. Have they finally come for me? <laughs> they come for me. I'm sorry I ate the red crayon. I know it was your favorite. <laughs> They're over there, like, just eating glue. <laughs> <laughs> Man, the Kentucky Goblins sound so cool now. <laughs> yeah, so let's tell the real story of the Kentucky Goblins. <laughs> was there air quotes around that? Nope. 
The Kentucky Goblins, also known as the Kelly Hopkinsville Encounter. Now, UFOologists regard it as one of the most significant and well-documented cases in the history of UFO incidents. Wow. That's what I keep hearing. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, a lot of people that recommended us to talk about this, they did. They kept saying that it's one of the most well-documented cases. Which surprised me because when I was reading, because uh, I'll actually, I'll share at the end here, an actual the actual news article that was published about this incident. Like, reading it, I'm like... This is considered one of the most well-documented? Mm-hmm. This is insane. Because reading through, I'm like, oh. But I, but then again, in today's age, we're so used to movies. We're like, well. Sure. And this was 1955, right? Yeah, 1955. And so th- back then, I mean, the, the, the movies were just, you know. There there was there was no. Like Forbidden Planet. And yeah, there is no like theater. At, like, theater, 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 theater? Theater. I want to say the, theatrical. I want there to say theoretical go. for some reason. That's why I thought you there's, were going at. There's no theatrical influence on this. Like with some other ones we'll cover either on the podcast or in the future, like the Barney, the Betty and Barney, Barney Hill uh, yeah. incident and all that stuff. There was like a lot of, oh, it was because they just watched this show, like this movie or something like that was on TV. None of that really existed. And what you'll find out about the people who had this incident, uh, they weren't the most well-educated people. They were very simple folk. Mm-hmm. So for them to just like make up this elaborate you know, incident is Collectively. impossible. Collectively. Collectively. There was like 12 people involved in this, not including like the police, military police were involved as well. Mm-hmm. This thing is insane. This reminds me a lot, um, before we even get into it, just the opening that you're talking about reminds me a lot of the Walton incident, a.k.a. Fire in the Sky. Which the, you can find on our podcast. It's yeah, a great the, episode. It's a really great episode. There was a lot of uh, documentation there as well, yeah. uh, as well as the Ammon's Demon House, mm-hmm. uh, how well documented that was in terms of a haunting. Now, the only difference between those and this is the number of people. So with the Walton incident, it's uh, it's about four people, and then only one person can actually clarify they were in the ship and they yeah the, it. though all of them saw the ship and all of them saw the ship right. but only one has like the quote-unquote experience of right. being abducted and then the amens demon house amens amens ermens whatever almonds I almonds <laughs> almonds best um, in Gary, <laughs> yeah Gary, indiana um that one has a lot of speculation around it being a ploy to like avoid paying a lease or something like that right so there's there's implications to these two stories to this one there's no implication of they were trying to get out of a lease, they were trying to not pay something, because they were very simple folk that had a farm that were just trying to get by. Yeah, and creepy this stuff just happened. So let's let's get let's, let's get, get right into let's it. Let's roll. So while skeptics say the reports were due to the effects of excitement and misidentification of natural phenomenon such as meteors and owls, one of the best known and best documented close encounters of the third time, with third kind, not time. Uh, to people who don't know what that is, a close encounter of the third kind is physical and visual con- or visual contact without any kind of abduction. So a fourth kind, you're abducted. Yeah. Third kind is an actual vis- visual and physical contact with an extraterrestrial unknown presence. Right. So the the being actually has to be there. So yeah. second kind, I believe, is what the UFO. You thing? just like see the UFO. Or uh, I believe I believe second kind is you're seeing the UFO. Uh, close encounter of the first kind is you think you saw something. Sure. Uh, we'll have to double check those for sure, but yeah, those yeah, are... we'll we'll double check and we'll we'll uh, fill you in at the end of the episode. Right. Uh, something else you had mentioned in there. Oh, what was it? Never mind. I can't remember what it was. Simple folk. No. Oh, okay. Towards the end, there, I was gonna make a. I was gonna, I, oh, I, meteors and owls. Yes. Uh huh. 
So you mentioned meteors and owls. Yeah. Uh, and for those of you that do study any type of UFOlogy or aliens and things like that, owls are very consistent as well. They really are, especially the type of owls we'll talk about towards the end of the episode. Yeah. Uh, that they believe were actually these creatures. Yeah. Well, and and the fourth kind, the movie, the fourth kind, talks about that a lot. Um, have you have have you seen the fourth kind? Oh yeah, I love that. I saw that, it in the theater. That movie. Gave me nightmares. Yeah, same. It it chilled me to the bone. So if anybody's out there and you want to have nightmares, watch it about nine p.m. tonight. Um, no, not, or, not, not, not tonight because we're on right now. Jeez, well, watch it after this. After you listen to this, go watch Close Encounter of the Fourth Kind, or it might just be called the Fourth. It's kind. just called the Fourth. Kind. The Fourth Kind, and it will make you change everything you think about the paranormal, about UFOs. So, uh, oh, it's great. Yeah, it's really good. so much fun. <laughs> So this thing is one of the best uh, documented close encounters of the third kind to come from the modern era of ufology uh, is what which allegedly this is what allegedly took place between August 21st and August 22nd, 1955, near Kelly, Kentucky. This case is distinguished by its duration and also by the number of witnesses involved. The main point of the case has been discussed by several authors, including Dr. J. Allen Hynek who devoted six pages of his 1972 book, The UFO Experience, to it. A 1979 publication from the Center for UFO Studies, also known as CUFOS, authored by Isabel Davis and Ted Bloucher, puts the illustrations and photographs of the site, the creatures, the UFO, and the witnesses of one of the more fascinating CE3 cases ever to occur in the United States. Wow. Which is insane. It, every time I've read this, it's like, man, right here in Kentucky, not far from where we are, was the most well-documented yeah. and like pudding moments of the UFO yeah, world. Yeah, the, the book that I used last week to talk about the Kentucky Wild Man. The monster one? The monster book, book. Uh, by Nick uh, Redfern. He has uh, like three pages in this like essentially encyclopedia of, of monsters and stuff devoted to the Kentucky Goblins yeah. as well. It is definitely highly documented. And, um, yeah, in, in this, like, the first instance of, like, little green men, like, that this, whole... This, um, even though from the incident, the term little green men was eventually coined from this incident, from the actual, like, witnesses themselves, the witnesses never called them little green men. Right. That never happened. Oh, it's usually But it just media. got coined later yeah. on by the media. Yep. But, yeah, that's so cool that that didn't even, wasn't even really a thing until this incident. Yeah, this Here incident in is what caused it all to happen. And Roswell had happened, what, like... In the 40s. 40s, uh, yeah. 10 years prior to this. But that information probably hadn't reached Kentucky yet. And I think he was a gray anyways. Yeah, he was. So, we'll set the scene for you. The scene was a small farm outside of the Kentucky town of Kelly. Inside the farmhouse were eight adults and three children. The night was dark, clear, and hot. At about 7 p.m., Billy Ray Taylor, a friend of the Suttons and owner of the farmhouse, came in from the well with his quote-unquote wild stories that he had seen a really bright flying saucer <laughs> with an exhaust of all colors of the rainbow fly over the sky and drop into a 40-foot gully near the edge of their property. However, the Suttons did not take him seriously and laughed the story off as an embellishment of seeing his quote-unquote flying star. Here's a PSA, guys. 
believe PSA. people. Believe, yeah. At least until you've done some investigating. I wouldn't even really say believe. It's it's like uh, it's like the law system. You know, innocent proven guilty, real until proven false. Well, it's like every horror movie that is out there. The premise is is that someone's seeing something. And the people in their life don't believe them. More than likely, it's usually like a husband or a wife that doesn't mm-hmm. believe the other person or parents that don't believe the kid. Until I'm they telling see you right themselves. now, if I ever have a kid and my kid says, I saw a demon in the room, we're staying the night <laughs> at Hojo. <laughs> Daddy, I see a demon in the room. I'll get my sage. Yep. <laughs> I will believe it in three seconds because I I had my own experiences growing up. I know that this stuff is out there and that it's real, and I will believe you. <laughs> I just, you're, you're going to be a great dad with your sage. <laughs> <laughs> She's going to be giving birth, my wife, and sage in the sage room. Sage in the room. <laughs> Demons be gone. She said words I've never heard before. <laughs> So half an hour later, the family dog began barking violently and eventually put its tail between its legs and hid under the house. This is a big thing we've talked about on here in the podcast. Mm-hmm. Animals can sense things. They see what we cannot see. So if your animal starts freaking out, you should probably start worrying a little bit. Yep. The two men, Billy Ray Taylor and Lucky Sutton, went to the back door to see what was bothering the dog and noticed a strange glow approaching the farmhouse from the fields. When the light came near. They resolved what caused it. A glowing, three-and-a-half-foot-tall creature with a round, oversized head. The eyes were large and glowed with, glowed with a yellowish light. The arms were long, extended nearly to the ground, and ended in large hands with talons. Can I stop you? Uh, sure. Uh, two weeks ago, uh, I had mentioned to you in our creepy catch-up that the creature that I saw hanging from my ceiling fan. Yeah. Had the long arms it like was a small. look. Yeah, yeah. Had very long arms huh. and like dangly fingers and was spinning around. And you haven't read this research. No. Oh, and wow. so I'm kind of creeped out a little bit now. It had red eyes, but we have talked before that there's a possible link to alien abductions and things like that yeah. and sleep paralysis and night hag. And mm. so that's got me a little freaked out. Just going to go ahead <laughs> but and see, say I, I, I read that part there and I looked up at you and you kind of like took a little bit back from the <laughs> mic. Like, oh, no. He's about to come through that door right now. Yep. The entire creature seemed made of a silver metal. As the creature approached, its hands were raised over its head as if it were being held up. Understandably startled, the two manned reacted by grabbing their guns, a 20-gauge shotgun, and a 22 caliber rifle. Withdrawing slightly into the house, the men waited until the creature was within 20 feet of the back door and then fired. The entity flipped over backwards and then scurried off into the darkness. After a few minutes, when it did not reappear, they returned to the living room only to see another creature, this side, outside the window. They fired through the window screen at it, and again, the creature flipped and disappeared. Certain they had hit certain they had hit and disabled the creature, the two men went outside to find the body. As they started out the front door, Billy Ray, who was in the lead, paused for a moment, and underneath an overhanging roof. Just as he was about to step into the yard, those in the hallway behind him saw one of the creatures on the roof reach down a taloned hand and touch his hair from above. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Nope. <laughs> the, 
The people indoors screamed and pulled him back inside. Lucky Sutton rushed out into the yard, turned, and fired point-blank at the creature, knocking it off the roof. There was another creature in the maple tree close by. Both Lucky and Billy Ray fired at this one and knocked it off the limb. It floated to the ground and then ran off quickly into the darkness. Oh, no. Immediately, another entity, or perhaps the one that had been knocked off the roof, came around the side of the house almost directly in front of the group. Lucky fired his shotgun point-blank range, and the result was the same. No effect. A sound was heard as the bullet struck, as if a metal bucket had been hit. But the creature scurried off unhurt. So so you said it made a like a ping noise? Yeah, like ping! So you think that it was wearing armor or like a, a suit or just its skin was that thick? So about that. So remember uh, a couple episodes ago when we were covering uh, Marion County, I believe it was? and you uh, had Monroe County. Monroe County. And you had the spooky news story about the rancher out in Arizona yeah. who had oh, been the, fighting the, the Grays. Stardust Ranch or whatever Stardust it was. Ranch. Yeah, he had the samurai sword. Samurai sword guy. <laughs> Remember how he said in order to kill him, he had to like cut the stem, but the stem was impossible to find? Oh, yeah. Well, and he I talked wonder... about like had to, you also had to cut the antennae off. Yeah, yeah, to cut the antennae was, off. It was so difficult to cut through them. Yeah, so I'm thinking these creatures, whatever they are, their bodies must be made of some kind of alloy. So when these bullets hit them and stuff like that, they're just bouncing off. But I bet if you hit them in the right place, like these aliens that this rancher fought, mm-hmm. then they would die. Right. So it reminds me of like, uh, uh, this is going to sound really nerdy, but in Doctor Who, mm-hmm. um, the uh, Santarans, who are like these like bounty hunter type dudes, they look like potatoes. I believe you. Never seen they, uh, but they have a they have a weak spot in the back of their neck that if you hit that, it takes them down. Oh, like much. like a Attack on Titan to take out the Titans, you gotta uh, slice the nave in the back of their neck. Right. Yeah. So basically, there's the weak spot, and so I wonder if that's similar. Everybody's got a weak spot. Weak spot. Yep. Everybody's got a weak spot. Mine is pugs. Mine is pizza. Pizza. It's true. It's like every city we <laughs> go to. You're like. We gotta try the pizza here. Which, by the way, shout out to old school New York pizza in uh, the, the East End out there. I went and had that the other night. Super good pizza. Did it taste like New York pizza? It did. Oh, wow. It okay. really did. It was phenomenal. So, understandably concerned that their guns were apparently useless, the men returned to the house to join the frightened women and children. Now, that right there tells you something, because back at this time, the 1950s, you know, the men, I protect this household, I protect this land, you know, this is this is our homestead. The fact they were scared and hiding with the women and children shows you they did not like what was happening. Yeah, that's how... (laughs) We don't like this! (laughs) (laughs) The creatures generally moved in a particular fashion. The legs appeared to be inflexible. And when they ran, movement was accomplished almost totally by hip motions. Kind of like the robots that we had when we were kids. Oh, yeah. Usually totally erect, when they ran off, they bent over and moved with their long arms almost touching the ground. Wow, that's cool. So that's very much like an orangutan as well. You keep thinking about your shadow? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The entity's ability to float was particularly evident when one was knocked off the kitchen roof and floated a distance of about 40 feet to a fence when it was knocked off again by a shot. While they did not appear to have an aura of luminescence, their skin glowed in the dark, with the glow becoming brighter where they were shot or shot at. Interesting. 
Yeah, that makes me think they're absorbing the energy. Yeah, that, I was literally about to say the exact same thing. <laughs> so maybe it's not that they have this alloy that's just strong. What if it they have a reactive alloy? It says here that not only uh, did it become brighter when they were shot, but also when they shouted at them. Interesting. Wow. So it's like... Uh, to be stealthy, it, it's almost as if they can't use any energy. Yeah. Right? So, like, maybe their talons are their only weapons. Right. And, wow. This story just got super creepy. It got super <laughs> cool to me. Yeah. So, Miss Landford, the mother of the family, counseled an end to the hostilities. Despite the fact that they had been shot at a number of times, no aggressive action was ever proffered by the creatures. However, the children were becoming hystericals, and the creatures kept returning to peer in the windows at Mm-mm. different intervals. Now, that's another common thing. Mm-hmm. So, Just a peek in? Yeah, so there's a very famous uh, UFO, or I mean alien video that's out there that we're going to cover one day on the podcast and possibly even here, but I, I, I don't offhand because I don't have the information because I wasn't ready for this, but like, there, it's him peeking in the window. I, I know exactly yeah. the video because thinking about it gives me goosebumps. It right does. Now. It's so... Creepy. The worst one, the, that same guy, the one that caught the video of it peeking mm-hmm. in his window, also caught that same creature in his house. Oh, yeah. Peeking around the Oh, corner. yeah. Like I said, his story is incredible. Yeah. Look, look at these goosebumps, goosebumps too. Yeah. It's crazy. His story is incredible. His evidence is overwhelming. Yeah. And, uh, but then it gets really sad. His his story gets really weird. It does. We'll definitely cover yeah. it. <laughs> it's, it's super and sad. And I don't mean sad as in he died or something like that. Just, just, it just gets weird. weird. By 11 p.m., the family's patients had worn thin, and they all got into two automobiles and headed at top speed to the nearby Hopkinsville Police Department. Which back then was like 45 miles away. Yeah, no. it, was, <laughs> it was a long way away. Well, top speed on the cars was probably like 40. That's what I was saying. <laughs> After a half hour's travel time, the police arrived back at the farmhouse with the still-frightened family. The Hopkinsville Police, the state police, and a staff photographer arrived to investigate the situation. A thorough search was made of the house, the yard, and the outbuildings. Nothing was found, and the tension ran high when someone accidentally stepped on a cat's tail and it yowled. And this is a quote that says, You never saw so many pistols unholstered so fast in your life. The searchers checked out the wooded area, but found nothing. One unusual item was found was a luminous patch where one of the creatures had been knocked off and fallen to the ground. So it, it it was left over. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So so we've got the energy dispersion, but it's also solidified in a way. Yeah, like apparently it fell off of them. So not not as much like a gas, but maybe more so like a liquid. Maybe. Hmm. However, when nothing really extraordinary appeared, the searchers began to leave, and by two fifteen a.m., the Sutton family was alone again. The family had been reassured enough to go to bed and shut off a few lights. Miss Langford was lying in bed watching the window when she noticed a weird glow. (laughs) So these people were just told, go to bed. Go to bed. Like, yeah, we see this, like, luminescent thing over here because raves weren't big. So it's not like <laughs> it's not like glow sticks were readily available. Yeah, you had to be specially selected for the LSD raids. <laughs> right. So it's like, cops are like, uh, that's just normal around these parts. <laughs> Go back to bed, y'all. Go back to bed. Because let's, let's be honest, they probably saw some stuff. Oh, yeah, they probably did. The glow was one of the creatures staring inward 
with its hands on the window screen. Calling quietly to the rest of the family, she remained perfectly calm. Lucky Sutton, however, grabbed his gun and again shot at the creature through the screen. Oh, no! No effect. The creatures continued to make their appearances throughout the rest of the night, never doing anything overly hostile and only seeming to show curiosity. The last creature was seen at half an hour before sunrise, about 5.15 a.m. The next morning, investigators came back to search the farmlands during the daytime. Once again, nothing was found, even though some even climbed to the roof of the house to look for footprints. The press got hold of the story. Besides the reporter who had been accompanied by the police out during the night, the local radio station and many reporters from other papers in Kentucky, Indiana, and Tennessee arrived at the Sutton house. As the news spread, the general public began to show up and cars were backed up far through the property. In and out of the house annoyed the family with requests for pictures and in general created a carnival atmosphere, the upshot of which was generally ridiculed to the family for having seen the quote-unquote little green men from space. Lordy bugoy. Man, isn't that, isn't that Americans? It like. really is. <laughs> <laughs> you seen little green men from space? Oh, you a hoax. You fake. Like, you know, in the seven, you know, the 1800s and before, they would create these mobs to destroy the creature. In the 1900s, they created mobs to see the creature. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> However, on the same morning, Andrew Ledwith, an engineer with the local radio station, decided to stop into the station for a talk with the chief engineer. It was Ledwick's day off. He learned of the happenings on the Sutton farm the night before, and because of his interest in UFOs and his previous experience as an artist, he decided to go out and interview the family. It is fortunate that he did. The public, the publicity became so obnoxious to the Sutton family that they later simply avoided telling the story and refused to cooperate. Ain't that a shame. It really is. You know, the same thing happened to Betty and Barney Hill. Like, they got so tired of it that they just kind of stopped talking about it for a while. Yeah. And then after then Barney. Barney died... Uh, Dude, Barney got the short end of the strong Yeah, one. for real. Like, And was just from stress and everything. Mm-hmm. Then Betty got really back into it, you know. But Yeah, yeah like it was, it was after, after Barney passed away, she, like... Like I feel like almost in like in in honor of his name right. was like I'm gonna get to the bottom of yep. this. Yep, agreed. Now the only exception to them avoiding the press uh, and talking about it was they would talk with Isabel Davis, who uh, was a reporter for Kufos. So the drawing that Mister Ledwith created on the afternoon following the sightings are will actually post on our Instagram pages and our social media. It is the picture of the creatures that they had come across so how can such a tale be accepted at face value one asks after all the family itself was considered a low social status by the townspeople two of the men had worked for a carnival and it would be argued that they were familiar with the art of being a trickster the most telling criticism of the incident however is that there is absolutely no physical evidence whatsoever that the incident actually occurred Skeptics point out that no footprints were found, the ground was extremely hard, no marks were on the roof, although the creatures seemed nearly weightless and may not have left marks. Right. There was no blood on them, the bullets did no apparent damage. Maybe they don't bleed! Maybe they don't. One could thus conclude that the family faked 
the entire incident. However, investigators who interviewed the Suttons afterwards painted a picture of them that is quite different from the sort of people who could fabricate an elaborate hoax. They were uneducated, simple farm folk with no apparent interest in exploiting the rather considerable publicity that, that they received. Man, leave these people alone. Yeah. Like, I mean, you got a whole family that's saying they don't want the publicity. Exactly. Like, get off them. Like, they they saw some stuff. And that's and that's what's so sad about this is they didn't ask to be invaded by no. these quote unquote little green men or these creatures. So they're just, you know, trying to have a simple farm. Like, they're simple people. How can, how can you be skeptical of something we don't understand? Exactly. You know what I mean? And I, I know that that phrase itself sounds stupid, but it's like, how can you have scientific explanations for why something can't be? When there's on something no that behind we, it. Yeah. Like, how do you know if the alien bleeds? Mm-hmm. You know, how do you know? Did you, you know, abduct one and dissect it? Right. How do you know how heavy it is? Yeah. How, how do you know these things? You're using earth-based knowledge to describe something otherworldly. Exactly. Like, our, our knowledge here is limited. That's why we have trouble understanding the things we see that we don't understand. It, you know, I mean, it's like, I can't wait. I can't wait for one day for aliens or things like that to come <laughs> to the surface and be real. Because you think about how much stuff through history was considered crazy or faulty or things like that right exactly you know that turned out to be science like it became real it's just there was no understanding for it yeah why do things fall to the ground when you throw them right oh gravity we figured out what that was the magic the metaphysics why is the the paranormal of the past is the science of today yes and then the mythology of today will be the science of the future amen amen toast i'm gonna drink some bubbly uh bubbly Water, not anything else. <laughs> so, as a special treat to the WCHQ listeners and the blanket huggers out there, I have the Kentucky New Era newspaper article from Uh-oh. August twenty second, nineteen fifty five. Cool. So, I'm going to share this with you. This all is the now. actual article. This is the actual article. Awesome. And honestly, after reading this article a few times, just the way it's worded, the grammar and stuff like that, you can tell that you know this what you would see is like a lower lower social status cool i'm gonna be quiet let's do it story of a spaceship 12 little men probed today kelly farmhouse scene of alleged raid br strange crew last night reports say bullets failed to affect visitors all kinds of investigations were going on today in connection with the bizarre story of how a spaceship carrying 12 to 15 little men landed in the kelly community early last night and battled occupants of a farmhouse most official of the probes was reportedly being staged by the Air Force. More than a dozen state, county, and city officers from the Christian and Hopkins counties went to the scene between 11 p.m. and midnight and remained until 2 a.m. without seeing anything either to prove or disprove the story about the spaceship and its occupants. The farmhouse is located on the, the old Madisonville Road about 8 miles north of Hopkinsville. The property is occupied by Cecil Lucky Sutton one of those reported experiencing last night's phenomenon. There were some 10 to 12 persons at the house, including several children, but investigating officers were not able to determine exactly how many of those present actually claimed to have seen any of the little men from the spaceship. Only other person whom officers quoted directly was identified as Billy Ray Taylor. One account said Taylor is a visitor from Pennsylvania, which recently had a similar report of a spaceship near neither Sutton nor Taylor, was at home when officers returned to the scene this morning. All right, I'm going to break away from this news story real quick. So apparently 
uh, this Billy Ray fella had seen a spaceship in Pennsylvania. Oh, so so he's seen two. So he, this is his second encounter. Oh man, that you know most stories that tends to be that they've at least seen one earlier in their lives. That's crazy. Yeah. All right, back to the story. The story broke around 11 o'clock last night when two cars, one bearing a Pennsylvania license plate, drove up to Hopkinsville Police Headquarters. Officers, then at the station, said the two autos contained at least five adults and seven children, all apparently highly excited. Spokesmen for the crowd told of how something resembling a spaceship or flying saucer had landed at the back of their house near Kelly, and 12 to 15 men, who appeared to be about four feet tall, had got out of the ship and come up to the house and done battle with the occupants. Quote, We need help, one of the men said. Quote, We've been fighting them for nearly four hours. Forest City Police Chief Russell Greenwell, T.C. Gross, Doris Francis, and Gray Salter drove to the scene to see about the quote-unquote little men. By radio, contact was made with state troopers R.N. Ferguson, Jr. and G.W. Riley and Deputy Sheriff George Batts, all whom joined the motorcade to Kelly in their own vehicles. Four MPs also went. The radio discussion also brought two Hopkins County Deputy Sheriffs and at least three state troopers from the station to Madisonville. First arrivers found the scene deserted. The two cars which had brought the report to Hopkinsville didn't return to Kelly Farm until after officers had arrived and looked the situation over. The officers reported they found no tracks of little men, nor was there any mark indicating anything had landed at the described spot behind the house. There was a hole in the screen at the window, though, which occupants said a shot had been fired at one of the strange little men. Both Chief Greenwell and Deputy Sheriff Batts said they got approximately this story from the still-terrified and excited Sutton and Taylor families. About 7 p.m., one of the men went out of the house to get a bucket of water. He saw what looked like a flying saucer come over the trees and land in a field at a point about a city block behind the house. There was no explanation, only a semi-hissing sound, and the watcher returned to the house with the bucket of water. A short time later, somebody reported one little man with big head and long arms were approaching the house. The men were described as having huge eyes and hands out of proportion to their small bodies. The visitors were wearing what looked like a metal plate. The men got their guns, a shotgun for Sutton, and a 22 caliber target pistol for Taylor. By and by, one of the little men pressed his face against the window, and the shotgun was fired through the window. The face disappeared. The men decided to go outside and see if the visitor had been hit. Taylor was in front. When he emerged from the front door, a huge hand reached down from the low roof above the door and grabbed him by the hair. He pulled away, and the two men went on out of the house. One of the strange little men was in a nearby tree, and another was on top of the house. A blast from Sutton Shotgun knocked another one of the men down, but did not appear hurt. He disappeared in the darkness. Taylor reportedly opened fire on other members of the invading party, also with little effect. The battle went on for some time. When the occupants of the house saw their chance, they jumped in their cars and drove to Hopkinsville for help. Deputy Sheriff Batts said the men told him that in all they fired about four boxes of twenty-two pistol shells. So, uh, break away real quick, so anybody wants to know how many that is, uh, that's probably about 100 shells easy. Woo! The officer quoted a neighbor saying that he heard shooting over at the Suttons, but distinguished only have heard four shots and mistook them for firecrackers. Most of the officers remained at the site for more than two hours. During the period, they approximately 25 people were on the case. The only excitement during the period the officers were there came when an MP happened to step on a cat's tail while walking in the darkness near the house. 
The cat let out a squeal for a few seconds, and then there was as much activity and scurrying around on the part of those present. Two officers who reported to the Kelly area early this morning reported hearing the little men had reappeared around the Sutton house around 3.30 a.m. Other investigators who went to Kelly later during the morning said they were told Sutton and Taylor had gone to Evansville today. Officers who visited the scene during last night's excitement were reluctant to express any opinion today in regard to the reported invasion of Kelly. All officials appeared to agree that there was no drinking involved. Only outspoken comment came from Frank Dundas, a city police desk sergeant, who was not on duty last night and has not visited the scene so far. He said, quote, I think the whole story is entirely possible. End quote. Sergeant Dudas was one of the two city police who reported seeing three flying saucers early one morning last summer. He said, I know I saw them. If I saw them, the Kelly story certainly could be true. End of story. So even the police have seen flying saucers in that area before. Yeah, that's what I was just thinking. Like three? Three flying saucers in one morning. Y'all haunted. Get out. Uh, so yeah, interesting. So the news are, it's interesting how the news article kind of fabricated some things. Yeah. Like, cause we saw the evidence and everything they talked about, like the metal plate. I mean, mm-hmm. come on, you know, like how he had to use terms he understood. Yeah. You know? Uh, but I find it very, very interesting that this cop, like we're talking about, so we've got a cop that's seen things, you know, they're seeing stuff. Here's my question, though. I don't know if this is answered. It's constantly referred to as the Kelly Hopkinsville case. Yeah. Where's Hopkinsville in this? Uh, that's the town they drove to. Okay, that yeah, makes to sense. Get, so that's to get the, the police bigger, officer. Because that's yeah. the bigger town. Okay. Yeah. I was. <laughs> I'm sure the town of Kelly did not have a police presence. Right, because it's a time. very, very small very town. Very small. Okay, that makes a little more Which sense. Which is where most of these things seem to happen, are in very small town. Well, yeah, I mean, you don't. I mean, you can probably get shot down in a big town. Yeah, true. <laughs> but yeah, man, like, I really liked that news story. It was really interesting uh, just to hear, like I said, how it was perceived mm-hmm. and how it was viewed through the eyes of someone who's just. Listening to stories, because this wasn't the guy that went along with them, with the cops, right? So this is just a no. uh, third party. Yeah, this is a person who has has not been to the site, but had personally had an incident themselves. Like, he basically got an assignment. Oh, you're talking about the person that wrote the article? Yeah. Yeah, this is just the reporter the reporter that was, you know, put on that right. story. So it wasn't even the reporter that was that went along with the cops. Like, so he's third, This is the guy that wrote the story. So he's third party. So, of course, you know, he's trying to... Uh, you know, you would think reading it that he's trying to make it grander than yeah. it was, but really, it was pretty side by side. The facts that were presented. The only really thing that stood out to me was, you know, the the the, the metal plate yeah. thing that just seemed inconsistent with the story. Yeah, the I think that, like you said, they're just trying to use things they understand. Mm-hmm. So, okay, it bounced off of and made a ting sound okay so like metal yeah must have or must, must have a metal plate on yeah must have had like a bulletproof vest or something yeah some cool then ones back then <laughs> the ones with like tin cans yeah Ping. anyways what what else we got on this uh so this actually had a lot of influence on pop culture mm-hmm. so according to the book comedy horror films a chronicled history 1914 to 2008 by bruce g hellenbeck the 1986 movie Critters yes! is loosely based on the Kelly Hopkinsville case. I didn't know that. That's so cool. The Critters movies are some of my favorite movies. Yeah. And here's so here's why this is extra interesting is that 
either just premiered or is about to premiere on Shudder is uh, a new Critters TV show. Oh. Yeah, it's called Critters, the new binge, I think. Or the new binge. Like that. <laughs> uh, and um, I love the Critters movies. There's, it's such a great... Um, you know, like horror comedy and Leonardo DiCaprio was in one of them when he, in one of his first roles yeah, uh, and stuff like that. And, uh, on my other podcast that I do on happy campers, uh, we are going to be going over the critter series on one of the episodes this year. So we're, uh, going to be talking about that cool too. And so now I've got some extra added information well, y'all fancy. that I can put into that. So I think it's so cool. Cause I absolutely love critters and they're super creepy. Like, <laughs> you know, and they come on Moss and they're from outer space. Now they're a little more like furry and yeah things like that, but yeah, the Critters movies are a little such eighties cheese, man. Eighties <laughs> cheese. cheese, but I love it. Uh, the Pokemon Sableye introduced Whoa. in the Pokemon Ruby and Sapphire really mm-hmm, is based on the goblins described in the Cali Hopkinsville encounter. In the games, they are animated with a swaying or waiting motion based on the creature's reported gait. That's so cool. How do you spell that? Uh, S-A-B-L-E-Y-E. Looking that up, because I want to see what it looks like. Oh, you never seen Sableye? Not th- I, I can't picture it. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Ooh, yeah. I can definitely see that. For <laughs> sure. For sure. That's so cool. Uh, in the Pathfinder role-playing game, the Hopkins, a type of gremlin from the Beastry 5 book. They call it the Hopkins. The Hopkins. <laughs> is based upon the goblins described in the encounter. Um, and this one's pretty cool. The Kelly Hopkinsville encounter was the basis for Anonymous Theater's musical. It came from Kentucky and Chicago. Oh, and we we've been to Anonymous Theater, haven't we? Yeah. Okay, I thought so. Mm-hmm. And then also, uh, this one's really cool. The Kelly community now celebrates the anniversary of the event on the third weekend of every August with an event called the Kelly Little Green Men Day. Oh man, when is that? Do we know? Yeah, the uh, third weekend of every August. So, oh, so that's usually like the week before our improv festival. Yeah, so the week before our festival normally. You should totally go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a two-hour drive. It's not far. Yeah, it's not far at all. It would be super fun, and it's not far from Evansville, so we can get our buddies from Evansville to come down, too. Oh, I wonder how far this is from Paducah, because I still keep in contact with a lot of people from Paducah. Uh, probably not too far, uh-huh. I would say. <laughs> Watch it be really far. 70 hours. <laughs> <laughs> now, of course, with any encounter... Of the paranormal, there's always going to be some skepticism, of course. Of course. So if this was not aliens or goblins, what could it possibly be? And the most forward theory of this is it was nothing more than great horned owls. So the Committee for Skeptical Inquiry member and skeptic Joe Nickel notes that the family could have misidentified eagle owls or great horned owls, which are nocturnal, fly silently, and have yellow eyes, and aggressively defend their nests. According to Nickel, meteor sightings also occurred at that time, and that could explain Billy Ray's claim that he saw a bright light streak across the sky and disappear beyond a tree line some distance from the house. According to author Brian Dunning, there are simply too many similarities between the creatures reported by the families and an aggressive pair of the local great horned owls, which do stand about two-thirds of a meter tall. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So if not aliens, it's owls. It's aliens. Owls. Owls. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, so there is... Uh, 
not only um, that, but there are still sightings to this day. Mm-hmm. People still in the Kelly area uh, and around that area still claim to see things. Fact, uh, January 25th of this year, mm-hmm. there was uh, an interview on Coast to Coast AM with George Nori um, with a director of a docu-series that has, in fact, gone on in search of the Kentucky Goblins. It's called Hellier. Hmm. Uh, and so um, basically what the article here says is that a riveting new docuseries explores the possibility that goblins may be lurking in Kentucky and takes viewers on a remarkable journey into the realm of high strangeness. This is a free to watch docuseries. So you can watch this for free. It's called Hellier. And they say that it grew out of the work of paranormal researchers Greg and Dana Newkirk who were contacted back in 2012 by an individual claiming to be tormented by diminutive <laughs> beings that emerged at night outside of his home and terrorized his family. God, the second they used the word torment, and I'm like, oh, great. Yeah. Initially skeptical of the man's tale, the duo's interest was piqued considerably when he sent them a series of photographs showing three toad prints reportedly created by the creatures. Although the alleged witness subsequently vanished, the Newkirk's fascination with the odd story never diminished, and they eventually teamed up with director Carl Pfeiffer to look into the case and document their own investigation. And along par- uh, alongside paranormal researcher Connor James Randall, the group journeyed to the Kentucky town of Hellier, which isn't far uh, from Kelly and Hopkinsville, where the goblin encounters were said to occur. Looking for the man who had initially written to them as well as the odd creatures that captured their attention and wouldn't let go. Without spoiling the series, what followed was a fascinating boots-on-the-ground expedition rife with colorful characters, strange synchronicities, and a number of truly eerie events. Puddin'. Puddin'. So check this out. You can find out more about Hellier uh, on the Coast to Coast AM website. And I also believe that Hellier.tv, so H-E-L-L... Uh, I-E-R dot TV, I believe, should take you to their website. I'm double-checking right now. Um, yes, so it takes you to the website, and uh, it, it says watch the first season for free right here. Hmm. Uh, and so I'm definitely going to check that out because I just learned about well, don't, it. Well, don't do it right now. We have to finish this. Oh, okay. Yeah, go ahead and click off that. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, so really cool, man. You know, like, and I'm my still my favorite thing is Pathfinder because I play D and D myself, and Pathfinder is a form Kinda, of deity. Yeah, and uh, it it's great that they called it the Hopkins, like the I Hopkins, because you can't call it the Kelly. It's just, no, it, the Kelly's weird, and it's like, oh yes, these are the Kellys, like the 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 the, the Kellys. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, this is really really great, man. Great stuff. Thank you for the research on this. Oh, absolutely, this um, was actually pretty fun to research. Yeah, I'm still really freaked out that this is what i saw but (laughs) however uh so yeah let's go ahead and move right in uh to uh some listener story oh yeah that we've got uh just a reminder to everyone that's listening listen tight (laughs) listen tight ladies and germs uh you can send your listener story to fearscape stories at wchqfm.com just type them up send it to us we will read it on air. You we'll can, make it dramatic. You can stay anonymous if you want to. You can use a different name. Uh, we can make up a name for you. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Or feel free to, to do that. And Just if, don't 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 let me make up the name because I name everybody Ghosty McGhostface 1, Ghosty McGhostface 2. Ghosty McGhostface the third. Yeah. It's, you know? I'm terrible at names. And, you know, if there are Kentucky writers out there that write paranormal stories and things like that of different encounters and stuff like that, we'll we'll promote your book as well. Let mm-hmm. us know. Hit us up. Fearscape Stories. 
stories at WCHQFM.com. So uh, this week, I have a really cool listener story. Um, it comes from my mother, Ooh. Patty Whitman. Uh, so I think I told you over the Christmas break last year, uh, I sat down with two of my family members, my mom and my sister. You mean you held them hostage in a room I, and with, then Lego, stories. with Legos on the floor. Mm-hmm. I had the, uh, the small off. Kentucky Goblin biker crew with me. Yeah. Doing what uh, they do best. But, you know, my family is very open to the paranormal. And mm-hmm. so we, uh, I had them uh, tell me about their encounters throughout their lives. Ooh. Different things like that. And so I got a number of stories from my mom and a number of stories from my sister, who we've already heard a few. Yeah. Uh, so this one, it comes from my mom, Patty Whitman. When I lived in Albuquerque, New Mexico, in an apartment, and Stefan lived there with me, too, and Dustin. And maybe David was there. And Stefan and David and Dustin used the Ouija board. And then they told me that there was a lady living there, but didn't really have anything much to say about her. But there was a guy there um, that was a spirit. He was there, and he just wanted to be left alone, and I said, that's okay, because I like being left alone, too. Well, then, as time went by, the spirit would say, Patty, 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 help! And I would think it, and I would be in a dream, and this would come into my dream, and I would think it was one of my boys and I'd wake up and nobody was there (laughs) so uh, I still didn't know about that that was him doing that yet but I was trying to figure it out and then all of a sudden I started to get knocking on the door front door and then I'd go to the front door and nobody'd be there and then I started working at nights at the laboratory, and my friend Shannon would come by the centrifuge, and hmm, mysteriously the lid would slam closed. <laughs> and then also other times, mysteriously, a pen would fly off the table at her. And another thing that happened while I was in the lab was this piano playing and I'm not really sure if that was the same spirit or a different one because there were spirits in the old building before they moved to the new laboratory and one of them could have came with it with the building anyway my mom died well when my mom died in March of 2007 I came home from Toledo and I laid on my couch and I cried for a week hard crying and one day all of a sudden this hand patted me on my shoulder like it's gonna be okay and I looked to my right to see it who touched me and I see this black swish go into my bedroom and so I knew for sure that was a spirit (laughs) 
and I felt like it was a familiar spirit. So anyway, then in August, I went out to Toledo to visit my family. And when I was there, because I got used to this spirit being around me, and uh, I asked my daughter, Trisha, if she would tell me if she could see who that spirit was. Well, she described him as not very tall. He had a plaid shirt on, like a dress shirt, plaid shirt, and jeans. And he told her that he liked to be funny. That's why, hence the jokes at the laboratory with the pens flying and acting like he was knocking on the door and then I'd get there and nobody would be there so he was a little joke he's a jokester he's still with me all right yeah so all that's right, then. you got that's, a haunted family that's yes that's my mama <laughs> um she you know when she was a kid you know it just I can't imagine she, she you know she said she's just had things happen to her mm-hmm. almost her whole life uh, and so good times, <laughs> good times, <laughs> good times. Thanks for passing that on, mom. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyways, that's our time. Thank you guys so much. Make sure to download the WCHQ app so that you can stream this. Even if you're not at home or near a radio, you can stream this live on the app or just go to WCHQFM.com to listen. And uh, if you're missing this uh, when it's airing, you can always go to the SoundCloud page and find Fearscape FM and listen anytime you want to. Anyways, thank you so much, Blanket Huggers, for tuning in to another episode of Fearscape FM. This has been Stefan, and I will catch you on the flip side. And this has been Brad. Hold those blankies extra tight. (laughs) Good night, folks. Night night, y'all.